Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is Father Anthony Tinker not hosting, (laughs) just introducing. Um, We are actually going to start something new. And so we are encouraging you to join us on an adventure. And this episode is actually just kind of like the the prequel to the adventure. It's the the trailer. If you like movie trailers, this is the movie trailer to an adventure, a kind of six, possibly seven week adventure we're going to go on together. Um, We have a book. It's called Sexual. It's not our book. It's a book we're reading. It's called Sexual Identity. The Harmony of Philosophy, Science, and Revelation. Again, that's Sexual Identity is the title and the subtitle. The Harmony of Philosophy, Science, and Revelation. It is edited by John Finley. That's John De Silva Finley. And um, we are going to go, it's a six-chapter book, and we're going to spend the next, not including this episode, the next six episodes discussing this book because it brings us into this fundamental question of what is man and what is woman. And so we're going to have... Um, Kind of a variety of uh, people, uh, and not variety, but Fa- uh, Father Patricia and I are going to be talking about the book and answering questions. But we have Anthony Mazza here with us to stand in the place of the listener to pick the brains of Father Peter, Teresa, and I as we go through this book discussion. And so here it is, Anthony Mazza. Hello, hello. Um, it is good to be with you guys. Thank you, Father, for inviting me to do this. Um, and I think Father nailed it. My role here. Uh, I'm very sorry that you will have to listen to my voice and you don't just get the wonderful banter between the two priests, but circumstances are such that I'm here um, and I'm here to try and give you, the listener, a voice. So I want to encourage you guys to uh, go pick up this book, whether from the library or purchase it, um, read along with us, and please email the Friar email questions and I'll be looking at that and I'll be able to ask Father Anthony and Father Peter Teresa your questions along with what I kind of am wondering about as I read this book. But um, yeah, it's good to be with you. Thank you, Father. So who are you, Anthony? And why are you here? (laughs) Who am I? Um, So my name is Anthony Mazza. I'm a native to Tempe, Arizona. Uh, I work for the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. So I am the Director of Mission Advancement. Um, I've been very blessed to be here for almost two years. January will be two years. Um, I've been keeping up with the podcast, but I'm behind the scenes typically when it comes to our media. So, um, yeah, I'm honored to have the have the chance to be here. Well, it's really exciting to have you because you had the editor of this book, John De Silva Finley, um, in class when you right. were at Thomas Aquinas College, and he actually wrote two of the. So this is an interesting book in that it's six chapters, but it's six different essays from six different peoples. Uh, one is based on kind of physical, ones on philosophy, philosophy, um, psychological, these different perspectives about this question of what does it mean to be man? What does it mean to be woman? Um, And so it's great to have you because you know uh, this, one of the (laughs) key contributors and the editor of this book as a professor. And so you can kind of get into his brain as we're discussing this. That's right. Yeah. I had Dr. Finley um, at my, uh, in my undergrad, I went to Thomas Aquinas College and he was a they call them tutors over there, not professors, which mm. is because um, you're you're trying to all learn together. There's not one person in charge. But Dr. Finley is a I think he's a really wise man. I like that he is um, he's trying to tackle an issue that is very relevant and pertinent. And so even even it's gotten even crazier now from when I first had him. But even back then, he was interested in 
the differences between men and women and how we speak about them and how we can understand men and women better um, to sort of have an integrated view of ourselves. And that was, that's been disintegrating for a while. So I think this is a very timely book and it's, it's, uh, it's providential that he was thinking about this long before we have all the crazy news that we hear now. And this is just from the, the inside cover of the book. Um, this, why, you know, what is this book about? What are we actually getting to this next six weeks? So we want to do just to talk about the introduction to the book mm-hmm. and I'll, I'm going to have let Anthony, you know, pep- pepper me with questions here about the introduction. We can kind of discuss a little book, but just this first paragraph, have man and woman become meaningless categories, increasing public acceptance of transgender identities, same-sex marriage and surrogate parenthood indicates that we can no longer view male and female as central to human flourishing. The transgender movement in particular suggests that man and woman amount to nothing more than one's own self-expression, regardless of bio- biological sex, family structure, or cultural inheritance. And that's when he gets started with this. And he says, next paragraph, many of us intuitively know that such a view is wrong, but feel unable to respond in light of woke rhetoric from media-driven voices carrying the apparent blessing of science and psychology. And so this is the problem. He's facing us with the mm-hmm. problem. And that is... Um, we're, what the the question of what is man and what is woman is on the table. Can I just start with like I never thought we would be sitting here having this <laughs> podcast talking about this. Like when I was a kid, this was not something on the table. It's about like discussions that are on the table. Like the discussion of what is man and what is woman, what is male, what is female, was not really something that was really on the table for discussion. It was just kind of pretty obvious. It felt like, mm-hmm. and here we are. You know, I'm uh, 38 years old, and it is very much on the table. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And which just yeah. to start, as we as I'm gonna p- turn it over to you to turn over as the host and the questioner. I'm just fine the fact that we've been talking about this is kind of crazy. Yeah. I think a lot of people out there, our listeners, might have the same feeling of like, I can't believe like this is like how quickly the culture has turned on this issue. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's definitely crazy. And I think he he mentions, I'm not sure if it comes up in the introduction or in some of the um promotional material, but this was put in the national consciousness when during the Supreme Court hearings, right? When the when the newest um, nominee for the Supreme Court, she she said, I can't answer the question. They asked her, what is a woman? And she said, I can't answer that question. I'm not a biologist. I can't define that question. Um, and everyone was like, wait, what? But I think I think what's funny is, I don't know, Father, you, you said it's not... Um, this is a very, it's a very recent thing to be asking this question, but uh, if you were, if you take yourself back to your high school days or your early formation days, how, how was this question approached? Or was it, how was the topic of masculinity and femininity approached then? And how do we have to do it differently now? So uh, that's a really good question because I think, I think the first thing we saw was the masculization of women and the feminization of men mm. in society. And that was what was kind of happening in my high school and college years is there very much was like the kind of the, the continuation of the feminist movement um, and, and the feminist movement and the bad aspects of it, right? That, that the bad aspect of it was like, we have to like women, they, they need to become men mm. because women's identity is not sufficient in and of itself. And so women need to be, need to act and be like men to make it in this male-dominated world, which I think is the wrong answer to the feminist question. We certainly will get into that in this book. Mm. But, and so there was this whole, like, if you want to be a successful woman in the world, you've got to masculinize. You've got to get into the corporate culture. You've got to be a, basically act and be like a man, which 
it, it, so that was certainly happening. And then the the feminization of men, where fatherless homes were starting, um, and men were being raised by their mothers, their grandmothers, a lot of high women influences, and, and men were becoming very effeminate. And, and there's this feminization of of men, where it's like, well, women are going to take charge. And especially at the younger age, women are happy to take charge. And women are actually, they, they, because they have puberty um, quicker, at that age, in that junior high, early high school age, women are just more competent. Mm. Young, young, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah. just, they're smarter, they, you know, they're, they've, they're maturer, you know, in that certain age group, women. And so if there's like, men are kind of like, well, women are supposed to take charge and they're just smarter and more, you know, and attractive and mature and put together. And so it's like, and there's this young man who wants to go through puberty. The woman has puberty first. It's like, well, then I want to be like a woman because I want to, I want to go through puberty too. Oh, I want to be like, I want to be mature and looked at, you know, and intelligent, et cetera. But because of and that, that really developmental time in a boy's age when he doesn't, is he not really given a masculine identity from his own family? He tries to take it from the culture around him. And so it becomes this really interesting feminization of men and masculinization of women, which I think is where we started. And that was happening in high school. Mm. But yeah, as far as what a man, what male and female, that wasn't really like, you know, it was all, you know, it's just kind of like, it's pretty easy, you know, like a man is a man, you know, and biology tells us what a man is. A woman. <laughs> yeah. There were those, you know, those cases that were brought up in biology class and you're like, oh, okay, well, like exceptions don't make good rules. Mm. You know, yeah. these are exceptions, rare exceptions. And they don't make good rules. So biologically speaking, here's what a man is, here's what a woman is. Mm-hmm. And as far as transgender, there's cross-dressing. I'd heard about that in high school. And I'd not even, I don't think, recall ever hearing about people making a transition physically when I was in high school. But I think we started with this, this masculinization of women, this feminization of men, which then led to men who wanted to become women physically and women who wanted to become men physically, which led to the question of what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Yeah. That's, that's a cool, that's a cool kind of quick analysis of sort of the slippery slope and how practically it started maybe somewhere because of family formation or even biological factors with how maturation happens. Um, but it's led us to a place now where we, I like how Dr. Finley points this out. He's, he says, uh, he says we're incoherence leads to intellectual slavery. Yeah. Like we're we are forced to uphold and honor women and we're supposed to like be pro woman. But yet he tells the story of going to the women's March, a a video, you go to the women's March and you ask what a woman is and no one can answer. So uh, there's obviously a tension there. It's like, we're supposed to, we're supposed to um, raise women up, but then we can't, we can't define it. Now, some people are probably really comfortable with that tension. Some people are probably like, yeah, I don't see the problem. Can you, can you kind of talk about what, where that leads us as humanity and why it's why we really need to address this issue. And we can't just be like, Oh, it, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, he kind of ends that paragraph. He starts with one of the most profound par- paragraphs. He starts just before being untruthful is not just a way of failing of, at being human. It is the way. So being untruthful, not defining your terms well and understanding is not just a way of a way of failing at being human. It is the way. Since in it, we undermine the rationality that defines us and we lose reason in that case. And so he says, incoherence leads to isolation and intellectual slavery, which you talked about. And ends with ends that paragraph. Being man and woman is more and more like a tale told merely for the sake of nostalgia, but one that really signifies nothing. Right? <laughs> and, and, and so this is what he's talking about and why this discussion is so important to answer your question is because if we can't give our children 
a coherent response to what does it mean to be man, what does it mean to be woman, then the question is, was there a coherent response to anything? Mm. Is there? Can we actually rationally believe anything? Where um, you know, science and the scientific method has really been trying to um, trim back on everything. Like, hey, if the scientific method can't prove it, if we can't reason to it, then it's not real, right? So we can't reason God, so God's not real, right? If science can't prove it, it's not it's not true, which has all of its own problems, and I don't want to get into that discussion. Mm. But it doesn't it, that that argument fails. But and now we've got this shift. It's all like, well, um, it doesn't matter what science can prove. So it's been parsed away of like, well, truth is just what science can prove. And now we're parsed away like in complete relativism of like, it doesn't matter if science can prove it or not. It doesn't matter if science can prove that you have an XY chromosome or an X, you know, XX chromosome. It doesn't matter. The truth is you define yourself. Hmm. And it just becomes this complete relativism. And relativism means that there's no truth, right? That you just define your truth, I define my truth. And Benedict the 16th speaks so eloquently about the how the, the, it, this will make us all slaves. If we give hmm. in to relativism, we'll, we will become complete slaves because relativism, if there is no truth, there is no definite defined truth. We just make our own truth. That's how you end up with people like Hitler and Stalin um, hmm. because they just define, well, my truth is um, the Aryan race. And so this is my truth. So I'm going to go for it, right? My truth, my truth is power. I'm going to do whatever I, my truth is money. Like you just define your own truth. And so we have no moral ground line. We have no foundation of a belief system. Nothing that we can run and say, well, I, I could point to like the natural law, like murder is wrong because of the natural law. And then there's more relative and takes over. It's like, well, no, it's not true. Like hmm. if it's, maybe it's true. Maybe it's though it's best for society, Locke and Hobbes. Like maybe it's just best <laughs> for society. We don't kill each other because then there's chaos. And so we should have these laws that we don't kill each other. But on a, the deep fundamental moral, there's no code that says we shouldn't kill each other. It's just an agreed upon thing. And again, when there's no actual foundation of truth in a natural law and, and some moral foundation, then we all become relative and it just becomes truth. So th this defining this term, hmm. because it is the most fundamental term for a child. It's the thing you see when you're a little baby. It talks about this in the introduction. Like from a, a childhood, you just distinguish, here's, a, here's mother, mother, here's father, mm -hmm. here's man, here's woman. I know that they're distinct and different in the way they act, the way they, they look, that everything, that there is a distinction between these two individuals and how I was created. And if you tried, if you, if you break that from a child, then you're just dooming them to this slavery of relativism. Wow. And we're getting, and when you talk about relativism, it seems, I just kept thinking like, it's there's sort of been this very long process where we, as he frames this in terms of like a grand drama where humanity itself is like the protagonist. Um, and it's sort of, we're coming up against these problems. And um, I mean, you talked about some of the horrors of the 19th century. There was certain relativism that led, led people there. Um, and some people will point it all the way back to sort of like a religious relativism or you, you go back to Descartes and he's like, can we know anything? Yeah. But now we're getting so when we get when we get to men and women, you nailed it. Um, it's the first. It's like the most intimate thing about us. Like we could not be more wrong about ourselves <laughs> than to mess this up. So there is kind of a a sort of horror. Like where where do we go if we don't know that? Like are we just lost forever? Um, yeah, that's a it's kind of intimidating. Um, I, I had a thought and you, you may have kind of addressed this, but uh, this is this is partially like a question I have or something I feel in myself where I'm like, well, I'm, I'm like Catholic. I, 
I know the Lord, I believe his word, um, is going through this process. This is, you know, it's a medium-sized book. There's a lot of essays. It's written in an approachable way, but do I really need to do all that? Or is it is it still good for me to do that? Because I we have the truth. I don't really need to, I think there's a lot of people who would just be like, ah, I know what men and women are, so I'm good. <laughs> Why is it good to kind of go through this particular sort of approach that he has? Um, the church is at war right now. Um, and, and one of the, the battlegrounds is over the male priesthood. And it's kind of one of those, mm -hmm. like, we thought this was already defined. Like John Paul II said it very clearly, male priesthood. And this is what it is. Um, and, and one, we're getting this like, well, what about women deacons, you know, which is, is kind of a move to, well, women deacons to women priests. But, but, but at the same time, it's coming from the other angle now of like, okay, yeah, male priesthood, but what does it mean to be male? And so mm. if I identify as a male, can I be a priest? If, even though I'm biologically a female? And this is the, the question that a society is trying to ask the church. Because um, it's like, all right, well, if you're going to define, you know, male priesthood, what do you mean by male? And the church, obviously, well, well that's obvious, wow. you know, you don't, you're going to, but um, this is why we have to have these answers and why this discussion is so important because it's like, well, it, it's kind of almost like the, the enemy's loop around. Mm -hmm. You know, for this issue, you know, among um, one of the primary issues, but it just shows that oftentimes you think you win an argument. You know, it's like, okay, I want like male priesthood done. It's over. And then it's like, well, what do you mean by male? You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Like it is, it, this, it, this, this is how, this is where we're going. Um, and so as a Catholic, as a faithful Catholic, um, one, just for our own faith hmm. to say, okay, you know, why did he, he created a male and female? This is Genesis chapter one, he created the male and female. Um, and, uh, um, and so this is something really important to who we are in the fundamental place. And Jesus chose to become a man for a very particular reason. And yet he made his highest creature, a woman, Mary, hmm. you know, so it wasn't like, well, men dominate. It's like, well, actually the greatest creation I've ever created is a woman, yeah. you know, and she's the queen of everything. So, um, the entire universe. So, there's, there's this really important aspect where God sees this thing between male and female, and he's created something in Mary, but she wasn't a priest. And, and there was a role that she played at the cross that was different than the role of Jesus. And these roles are really important, and they're really important for who we are. And if we don't know what those are, if we don't understand what masculinity, what, what it means to be male, and what, it mean, what the masculinity offers to the raising of children, what it offers to the church, what it offers to society— and what femininity offers, because femininity offers something different than masculinity. Male offers something different than female to our society, to our church, to uh, to, every, to our families, to every aspect. And again, when we lose track of this, and it's like, well, okay, you know, my friend Steve and, you know, his his boyfriend or his husband Joe, yeah, they raise kids. Like, they can adopt. Mm -hmm. Not that big of a deal, you know, or, oh, you know, they want to do this. And we, we can kind of like, it's, you know, I know the truth. I know what male is and what female is, but but it's not just that. It's like, well, I know what male and female is, but I have to actually stand up for the truth of this because children have a right to be raised by their their father and their mother. And if not, you know, because of a case of adoption, they, they have a right to be raised by a male and a female who are mm -hmm. married um, because this is the, 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 the masculine and the feminine, they offer something to children. And in our church, again, the, the, it's just coming against in every aspect, every sphere, the workplace, at, again, in our church. And because these terms are being defined and the society is saying, well, it's just they're having parents. It's better to have parents than no parents. And, and the church is like, no, we have to stand against this because what a male and female, a father and mother offer to a child 
is of utmost importance. What being a male means and what that offers to the church and offers to the priesthood is really important. What it means to be woman and what she offers to the church in her role as uh, through contemplative nuns or through through the religious life in the roles of service in the church, in, in mothering. There's all these important aspects of, of who we are as Catholics and, and, and our our truth, the truth that we bring to society that's been revealed to us through Jesus Christ and the truth of his church that society needs and the world needs. And if we don't know the answer to this question, we should be like, ah, I know, ah, what, I know what males and what females, not that mm-hmm. big of a deal. We're gonna, we're, the wave's going to crash right over us and we're going to get hit and we're not going to be ready for it. Mm. Wow. The wave's crashing. The question yeah. is, are we ready for it? Because yeah, these discussions are happening already. Yeah, we're getting, we're probably, we're kind of, it's 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 breaking right on us right now. <laughs> when you say these discussions are happening already, um, that was kind of another question I had. Like, do you encounter this in your in your ministry or just in your role in the church? And Definitely in my role in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously this is hap- adoption. You know, mm-hmm. what does this mean? Can Catholic charities, you know, you know, or, or, or there's these Catholic organizations like, well, we don't adopt children to same-sex couples. And their state's like, well, we're not going to let you do adoption. We're not going to give you funding. So it's a battleground right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, um, I have not had too many of these discussions in my ministry here as far as um, the, like uh, uh, the, the definition of masculine and feminine. But it is something I'm dealing with right now at our school. So we have a great mm. school. It's pre-K to eight. And two of the boys have declared that they are uh, gay and and wow. they've become kind of a couple. Wow. And and so the girls, like one of the boys get picked on by the other boys. So the girls are like, we want him in our classroom. Because we have, so our junior high, oh, our 7th wow. and 8th grade girls are in one classroom, our 7th grade boys. So we combine 7th and 8th grade, but then split <laughs> boys and girls. Because just that age, we're having <laughs> yeah. boys together, girls together. And so the girls are like, well, we want uh, the boy to come in and be in the girls' classroom and just just take classes with us. Because he, you know, he's um, he, he's gay. I don't know how he identifies. I've not gotten to that question, but he should just be in this classroom. And it's like, oh my my my. Yeah. Like we have um, this is a really like, and the girls are like this. It's fine, right? It's yeah. Like, no, no, no. He's masked. Like there's something about his maleness that that needs to be and worked out and worked through. You know, and it's and it's, uh, this is not you know he has if he has SSA, the church you know has great compassion and mercy. Um, and that for that um, identification, you're not supposed to act on it. You're supposed to practice it. You're supposed to be chased in it. Um, but you know, this isn't about well, he's bad because he's SSA. The, the truth is, it's well, with the is it like he should come over to the girls' classroom or not? And it's that's a real discussion because what's the big deal is what a lot of people would say. It's like, right. you know, there's something about his masculinity that being around boys is actually a helpful thing, and being around girls no matter how he identifies is not the right answer to the, to the problem. Wow. That is, that's messy. Oh, pray for father, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Something you, something you, as you were talking, it made me think that uh, being, I mean, we're, I think we're both millennials, although we're, we're kind of on, sort of the opposite end. One of us is a much older millennial. (laughs) I won't won't say which one, but, (laughs) um, but being a millennial, I do feel like there is a way. Sure. I'm not, I'm not faced with like sort of cultural confusion on what is a man and what is a woman. But when you start talking about roles and masculinity and femininity and what they have to offer and how they're different, um, I think I just, I imagine 
saying some of these things to some of my peers and even in, they might, it could be Catholic peers, but we just sort of, we've been breathing in the air of this relativism for so long that there's, uh, there is kind of a confusion and a discomfort with making any sort of claim. You just, you kind of want to go along to get along. So I, I'm actually really looking forward to reading this to try and just for my own sake, not, not cause I'm confused about the definitions, but there is a depth of beauty to the church's vision for men and women that I, that I am looking forward to growing in. So that's, that's something I'm just kind of starting to realize. Um, and I'm excited for that. Yeah. So that's a great, you know, segue because we're about five minutes left. So just kind of talk about, get this book again, it's called sexual identity. Um, that's the title of the book. And the subtitle is the harmony of philosophy, science, and revelation. And again, it's six different um, essays going through six different aspects of what it means to be male, what it means to be female. It goes through it from a philosophical perspective, goes through it from a medical perspective, from a psychological perspective, uh, from a metaphysical perspective. And I think I'm, um, there are other ones as well. There's a plastic uh, surgeon, which oh, is yeah, really plastic, interesting. So, so different. Yeah. There's a medical and from two different, uh, the biological, then a plastic surgeon, and then a theological mm-hmm. account of it. And so there's these, uh, I think this really beautiful, I think, discussion. Um, and we're going to be kind of, we don't know if we're going to have it next week. Uh, we're thinking about giving a pause just to give people time to get the book and read it mm-hmm. um, and kind of be able to, some people like to listen and then read. Some people like to read and then listen. <laughs> uh, everybody's a little bit different, but for those who want to read, then listen to be able to get in and read chapter one. So the next discussion will be on chapter one of this book. And that chapter is about, is from the philosophical perspective. And I think it's called, uh, what men and women mean to us, a philosophical articulation. Yeah. So go to the philosophy of, 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 from a philosophical perspective, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And why are these roles uh, important from a philosophical perspective and distinct from a philosophical perspective? That's right. Yeah. And if you guys, again, if you have any questions, uh, the email to email would be info at becomefire.faith. That's faith, like the theological virtue, F-A-I-T-H. So info at becomefire.faith. That will come straight to me uh, and I'll be able to pepper father with all your questions. So, And let people know if there's someone who you think really needs to hear this discussion and wants to be a part of it, even if they don't agree, like that we're going to try and we're going to give a Catholic perspective on these things, but this is whether people agree or not, just to, to have them listen to it. Cause we'd love to hear their questions too. Um, Absolutely. To what they have to say. So um, please. Yeah. There's a, a beautiful um, time to really get into this discussion. This, this problem that's facing our society. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Father, how do you normally end these things? I'm, you, I'm you get to ask me a fun question. I get to ask you a fun yeah, question? Whatever. It's good. We end with fun questions. So you really get to, it can be random. It has nothing to do with anything we talked about. Just some random kind of, it's gone from anything to what's your favorite dessert? And, you know, what do you do with your free time? And it's, we've kind of been all over the place. Oh my gosh. With, well, uh, with fun I'll, questions. I'll need some help with fun questions, people, but I'll, I'll try and think of one really quick here. Well, something I did have, this isn't quite fun, but which essay are you most excited about? Um, I think the medical. Yeah. Um, I think probably the, the the just the I don't know what the this I haven't looked into it enough to know what the difference between the medical uh, perspective is and what the um, plastic surgeon perspective is. Because um, I, I really uh, that from a plastic surgeon's perspective, I think it'd be really fascinating because I've read the research about it. Like what's what mm-hmm. what happens to transgender? Like, but then from that the psychological perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just, I only get one answer. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I'm going from from the the fa- a plastic surgeon. Like to think of a plastic surgeon probably has done these surgeries and has been like, oh wait, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I assume you know, and it's now like, hey, like from the plastic surgery perspective, this is not a good thing. 
I would love to hear what this person has to say, who's been in it, you know, mm -hmm. not just thinking about it, but has been like in the battle in this, this front. So I'm really fascinated about that. That's cool. That's great. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else. Uh, we might have to edit this section out. Um, <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, we just end with a final prayer. Sounds so good. in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, we ask that you inspire our hearts and our minds um, as we um, as we pray for all those who are struggling with their identity, struggling with what it means to be male, what it means to be female, um, with what the masculine role and the feminine role is for society, Lord, that you would strengthen them, bless them, give them peace, and help them to come to know you and your love for them as they are, as you've created them to be. And may your blessing come down upon all those who are listening as I bless them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith. That's becomefire.faith. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.